Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the Glorious League Freak. You can find me on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm really good today, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad. I've had a hard look at myself. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I'm going forward. I'm going to have a hard look at myself. And it's going to be a look. And I'm going to have it. It's going to be hard, firm. And uh, I think from there going forward, everything will go forward. Yeah, after the hard look, top to bottom, have a look at everything, top to bottom, yeah. except for except for myself, but we'll yeah, have a I'm, hard look. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm fine. It's not me. Everything no. top to bottom, but below me. That's right, yeah. Top to bottom, not to the sides where you are. Exactly, exactly. So you get it. You yeah, get that's it. right. That's right. See, people might be wondering what the hell we're talking about. Um, two words. Anthony Seabolt. Exactly. Um, so we're recording this a few hours after Parramatta has just completely obliterated Brisbane um, in the final finals match in week one. Parramatta won 58 to nil. It was the highest score ever recorded by a team in a finals match. It was the highest winning margin by a team in a finals match. It was the Broncos... 300th premiership loss. Um, yeah, a complete clusterfuck for the Broncos. And afterwards, Anthony Seabold's come out and pretty much said that he'll take all responsibility before throwing the entire squad under the bus and saying he's not looking at himself, he's fine. Yeah, it was. Uh, we just watched the full press conference just now, like about 30 seconds ago, and it was an uncomfortable thing to watch. He seems like a guy that doesn't really have any answers and that worries me in terms of I think even a bad coach is going to have answers they might not be the right answers but just the personality type that a a first grade coach is they kind of feel as though they know what needs to happen and when you see a team get annihilated like that and, and after the season that they've had um I'm really uncomfortable with the coach sitting there and sort of just saying, oh, well, we got to look at everything. Because that's, I mean, that's easy to say, but he's, he's said a lot of things like that during the season where and we go back to when they got smashed by the storm. And he kept on talking about how crazy the game was and it was crazy and they didn't handle it and it was crazy, crazy. And it was like, no, I want more from my coach. I want my coach to be able to break things down. I want him to be able to talk about some of the in-depth things that need to happen. Um, and Seabold just doesn't do that. And he might not do that for a reason in the media, but it comes across really poorly, especially when you line it up with the results that the Broncos have got this year. Yeah, and I think the thing that got me too is he got... He's he's like that kid who gets very easily distracted by pretty things in this, in this classroom. <laughs> right, every time the media start talking about something unrelated to the Broncos on the field, mm-hmm. he'd be he'd be consumed by it. Like, think of the, yeah. the two times that they played against South. And Wayne Bennett said practically nothing those mm-hmm. whole times. There was no... People even talk about mind games. There was none. He just went, I don't care. I'm not talking about this shit anymore. And Seabold just... He, he got consumed by it wholly, completely. Yeah, at one point he was having a running argument with like one of the South Sydney um, assistant coaches, 
Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, like you're the, and, and I don't think of any coach, any club better than any other club, right? They're all just clubs. But you're the coach of the Brisbane Broncos. Like you've got one of the plum jobs in all of rugby league and you're arguing with an assistant coach at South Sydney. Like what do you see? What, why did he even think of doing that? I don't know. It's, it's nuts. And he, he's, he just seems to get so easily distracted from his own tasks and his own job and, and gets caught up in this media crap. He should have just said, I'm not going to talk about that. I couldn't care less. I've moved on from there. But no, he just bought into it and took all the bait and kept going with it. Um, and an interesting thing that came out of the press conference too is he, he was blaming, almost blaming, I should say, the fact that they, they conceded so many tries on the fifth tackle. And I went, wow, it's like Paul McGregor's talking again. Yeah. You know? um, what a feeble excuse. Like you, you, can't, you can't try and take things away from the opposition because they scored tries on the last. You're supposed to defend for every single tackle on the set. It doesn't make it a more noble loss if you lost 58-0 because the opposition scored all their tries on the fourth tackle. Like, what the fuck? You know what would be really cool? You know how you're good at making graphs? You should make a graph of like that goes from zero tackle all the way up to the sixth tackle about when it's not too bad to score, like have a score a try put on you. So like the first tackle, it's like completely fine. But on the fifth tackle, it's like a horror show. It's like the worst thing ever. And so we can see, we can work it out. That'd be fantastic because that <laughs> seems to be what Seabol's working on. Well, I think he's of the impression that a, the longer you go in the set, the the least amount of points you should be getting for a try. If you score a try on the fifth tackle, you should only get like a quarter of a point. But if you score it on the first, then, you know, well done. You're pretty good. You deserve the full four points. I think that's kind of the mentality he's going into it with. Yeah. And it comes from the same same sort of school of thinking as Paul McGregor. He likes <laughs> to think that tries off kicks should be, should be knocked down a few pegs and off tap-ons and tip-offs and bat-ons and whatever else he calls them. You yeah. know, oh, they should all be downgraded because they're just lucky tries. They shouldn't be worth as much. <laughs> it's funny how that always works only when the op- opposition scores them tries. Well, like when it's their <laughs> yes. team scoring them tries, it's like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, how many tries does Hunt need to kick off of goalposts and stuff and regather? Really good at doing that, by the way, Ben Hunt. But they're <laughs> like, is... how do you how do you discount that? <laughs> well, if you do it on the first. That's oh. six points, but if you do it on the last, well, maybe maybe half a point, maybe one half, point. Half a point sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. That would, so. you know, what if we put that into practice today? I'm tell, I tell you what, Broncos only lose by about, I don't know, twenty eight points to now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thing is, they still lose. That's what makes the whole freaking argument stupid. Yeah, yeah. So um, dumb. Yeah, he said. They, they got a whiff, or he got a whiff, that this sort of performance was coming after last week's performance against the Bulldogs. Now, last week, the Bulldogs put 30 on the Broncos. 30. This is one of the worst attacking sides over the last two years. They, they yeah. strolled through the Broncos like they were nothing. With nothing to play for. Not a single thing to play for, the Bulldogs. Yeah. And the the Broncos needed a win to completely lock down their spot in the finals because there was that weird situation where if they had lost and the Sharks-Tigers game had been a draw, then the Broncos were out. 
obviously it's a long shot thing, but still that should be enough motivation for, for a coach to say, right, we definitely need to win this to lock it down. So it doesn't matter what crazy shit goes on at Leichhardt, we're in, doesn't matter. And couldn't get them up for it. Um, Wouldn't it be cool if the Broncos had some sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, like an experienced overseer of the playing staff who, when they saw things like that, could do something to combat the team's mentality going into really important games? Yeah, well, I think they're probably paying for one. Well, they just need someone, (laughs) I don't even know what you'd call it, like a someone to coach them. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, Steve was pretty much looking at, caring out for his, uh, all of his young players. And he, let's be honest, he's brought quite a few of them through this year. Mm-hmm. But he did, he didn't really defend the senior players. He didn't say anything bad about them. He didn't single them out. It was more the fact that he didn't include them when he was trying to defend players. He only defended the young players. It was a bit weird, hey? Like, it, yeah. it's one of those things where he said a lot by not saying something. And, he, like, he, was, he only talked about his young players, by the way, which was weird. And he gave them praise um, to, like, and some backhanded compliments, I would say. But, he, like, he didn't say anything about his senior players, which, I mean, it wasn't like he said our senior players tried their best or our senior players tried to guide the younger players to where they needed to be. Nothing like that. You know, not even like our senior players were good this week. Nothing. No, he, he made no effort. And, oh boy, he's got some work to do with that squad. I To start with, and we were saying it ages ago, if he had to keep Darius Boyd in the side, put him on the wing. Mm-hmm. It's been an absolute liability for that club all year to have him at fullback when he wasn't performing and they were losing all those games. And of all the things he did, he moved him to 5'8". Yeah. Just, and that's not even a slide on Darius. It's the fact that when was the last time Darius Boyd, prior to this year, ever played in the halves? Like, why would you do that? It makes zero sense. I mean, and, uh, and this goes in great for there. Yeah. Like Milford... Milford had played fullback, and then they, he was in the halves, and like just as Milford was really getting going in at five eight, he moves him to fullback. Yeah, and Milford then ended up having to do two jobs, like fullback and five eight. And yeah, admittedly, he did brilliantly at it, but it just also made him um, a bigger target for opposition defences, and also made Brisbane easier to, I suppose, keep quiet in attack. Because you just had to shut down Milford and you were fine. And that's exactly what Parramatta did from, from kickoff today. They hit, not only did they hit Milford, but they hit him hard. Mm-hmm. They hit him hard early. And it was all and legal. He's not a big dude. No. But they punished him. It meant that he was a little bit more timid than normal. I'm not saying it was, you know, timid's probably not the right word, but he was less inclined to get involved in the game because of it, because he knew he was going to get punished. And he was. Yeah. yeah. But they were. They were outclassed. Yeah, on all, all across the park. I th- I thought the way they, I mean, their defence was just absolutely terrible. It goes without saying, but like, yeah, their reads were off. Their effort was bad, um, and it was all across the field, uh, like from wing to wing. 
it was like that. Um, you know, Parramatta had just come out with the finals intensity and the Broncos didn't. And I think that it's just something that we've seen out of the Broncos that they're almost like a flat track bully, I guess, in terms of like when things start to go their way, they can look pretty, pretty amazing. But if, the, if a single little thing goes against them, you got them. Like you're going to beat them. And I think we saw that a lot this year. There weren't too many games where they really overcome a, you know, a deficit or they overcome something that every team has to overcome something. Every single one. Even the Titans overcome things this year to win games. So, yeah, it's it was just a, path, a pathetic performance. Really pathetic. And I think that if Seabol has any sense... He'll tell Darius, man, you can stay, but you're playing reserve grade all year. He'd do the same thing to McCulloch if McCulloch is still on contract. Um, they need some big changes, and I think they need to change the way they're playing football as well because it's it's hard to see it's hard to see that this side has a real direction. And I've said I said it earlier this year that I felt Seabol come in with Wayne Bennett's team, and everyone comes in with someone else's team at first. And he just took a steady-as-she-goes sort of approach to it. And then when he did make changes, it seemed like the changes were detrimental to the Broncos. Yeah. I think the only thing he had going for him at South was um, he had a great front-row rotation. Mm-hmm. And he had the play centre around Damian Cook, who is bloody lightning fast out of dummy half. Yeah. And... I think for the start of this year, he's tried to implement the same thing, but with Andrew McCulloch, who's, he could probably get outrun by, I don't know, Matt Dunning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's, McCulloch is done. Um, And so is Darius Boyd, you know, and and that's two of your 13 on the field are done. Mm. And we see when Seguiaro comes on, it's such a difference. It's a massive difference. And with the forward pack that the Broncos do have, and they're very young, so you have to keep that in in mind. But with that forward pack, they should be throwing things at at opposition teams in the middle of the field that no one can handle in the entire league. Like, they've got big, mobile, fast, hard-running young players in their pack. And up up the middle third of the field... They should be an absolute nightmare, and out of dummy half, they should it should be the last thing you want is to see the dummy half run at the Broncos, and it's just they don't really have that. I don't no. get it. No, they they're clueless. Um, they they need. I don't know how they're going to afford it, but they need a pair of halves for next year. Um, yeah, and they can't have rookies. Then they need someone with experience in there. Um, Boyd. Has to go. Um, McCulloch, I'd be sending him off. Yep. Uh, that That's the start with. The, just getting, I mean, you get rid of those two, you, you're going to be able to afford two decent halves. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to look at other matters. And it's funny because there was a quote that he had in that play, in that uh, press conference. He said, We've got to take a real good hard look at everything from top to bottom and then had a pause. And I went, shit, that might mean me. <laughs> within, the, within the playing group. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and, and this is the thing. I mean, 
I want my coach to know it's not a top-to-bottom thing at the Broncos, right? We know that they've got some really, really good players there. We yeah. know that they've got a really good young pack. We know that Seguiaro, even if you take him off the bench as a strike weapon, is fantastic. We know that Milford is a capable fullback, uh, a probably, I mean, a pretty damn good 5'8", once he gets going. There's just other areas where the Broncos are not... I mean, they're outside backs, outside of stag. I just don't rate them, you know. Um, and how often have you been able to say that about the Brisbane Broncos? You know, there's yeah. there's just things with this team. It should be, straight away, should know what they are instead of this wishy-washy stuff where it's like, oh, we'll have a look at everything. It's like, no, that's not how it works, man. You've got to be focused. It's like, It's like he has... No focus himself. And so how can you expect a team to have a focus? That's right. Yeah, there's one player they've got there which everyone's forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Okay. In his last his last season for his previous club, he played 17 games. Mm-hmm. It's has been at the Broncos for the last two years. He's also played just 17 games. And that's Jack Bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they signed but... him, on, I believe, on big coin. Mm-hmm. If he's fit and healthy, finally... At the start of next year, do you play him in the centres or do you play him at 5'8"? I play him in the centres. and Likewise. Um, I mean, I think he, if you're playing him at 5'8", it's a makeshift 5'8". And if you're going to do that, put, put Milford in there. Because you know, yeah. he's better than a makeshift 5'8". Yeah. The thing is, I remember when, when Burr was at the Sharks, mm-hmm. he wanted to play fullback. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the, if Brisbane says, you know what, if you're up to if you're up to it, your body's back in good health and you're one hundred percent ready to go. I'd, I'd consider putting Bird at fullback and Milford back at five eight, because at least yeah, then you've got a pair. Because Bird does run the ball back hard, yeah, and he does have good good ball playing skills, good passing game. His short kicking game is not too bad. Um, you can't use him for long kicks. Um. But then you've got Milford back in control of the game. So if you need to have a young half, then he can help cover that a bit better there. Like, you can't have a a young seven who's trying to learn the ropes and and get used to the pressures of the game and then have the pedestrian Darius Boyd out of position playing crap. Yeah. As you see in your That's a recipe for disaster. And there's been... I mean, how many times have we seen that with young players and... I mean, there was even times this year for the Panthers where people would say, oh, what about Nathan Cleary and how he's playing? And it's like, man, he was the only half player that we had when Maloney was out. And teams knew you shut him down, you shut down the Panthers. And there was no one to help him out for a long time this year. Um, you can't have that for a young halfback because all they're going to learn is bad habits, you know, how to get out of, you know, terrible situations rather than learning how to play proper halfback play in the NRL. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I, that, that fullback role at Brisbane, they really should just put it out there that it's available because they'll get talent knocking on their door saying, listen, I'd love to be the Broncos fullback. And they'd get their pick of a number of good players. Um, but I, I feel like they're not going to do that, hey? Well, there's a few options around everywhere. I mean, um, 
you know, Bevan French, I mean, he's not setting the world on fire or anything like that, but, I mean, he'd have been handy enough, got plenty of speed. Um, if they need to, go sniff around the Sharks. They've got that young William Kennedy Jr. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got big wraps on that kid. Uh, fucking chase him. It's one of those positions where if you've got a young guy who's keen and eager to go, then you can accept a few mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. Classic example is Charles Nickel Klockstad. Yeah. Like Ricky Stewart accepted that there was going to be a few mistakes early on until he got comfortable, mm-hmm. until he got a bit of consistency in his game. And once that happened, he's been, you know, undoubtedly by the year. Yeah. 100%. Um, that's mean, what you cal- get out of that youthfulness. And you have them at fullback. They've got that freedom to roam. Yeah, and, like, you look at the Cowboys. They got uh, drink water yep. mid- midway through the year. There are a lot of really good players that can play fullback in the NRL, mm-hmm. a lot of them. Papenhuisen? Yeah, like, they just offer, just put it out there. They'll, they will come running for that, that job because, you know, a good young player, especially Queenslander, man, that's the job. That's the job. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, and you'll you'll get noticed by, by origin selectors and shit like that straight away too, because you're playing up there. One hundred percent. Like, I mean, you mentioned Bev French just now, right? I would take, apart from Stag, I would have Bev and French in their backs ahead of any of the other backs they've got right now that they ran out tonight. In terms of the outside backs, I mean, like at least Bev and French is going to give you some strike. Yeah, I mean, he's a genuine try scorer. Yeah, a proper one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they need something like that. Um, lot to work on there, Anthony. Um, not just your squad, but yourself as well. From top to bottom. <laughs> yep. Not just about, the flank squad. We should talk about the Eels, hey? They were absolutely outstanding. You know what was crazy about them today? Mm. Is that that's the first time I've actually seen them decide to go out with a proper game plan mm-hmm. and attack three different points on the Broncos' defensive line. Yep. Right in the middle, right edge, left edge. They yeah. didn't go for the corridors between the two. It was either really wide or in the middle. And once they exploited one of them, they went back there until the Brisbane defensive line changed, and then they changed their employee and went somewhere else. And you know, credit where it's due, a mm-hmm. lot of that came down to the, the good control that Mitch Moses had in that game because there was a moment there in the second half, uh, the end of the first half where... He saw the Brisbane defence had corrected itself on the right side, and he was on the right side, and he got the ball out there, and he sent a glorious long ball back to the left. Yep. And Parramatta scored there. And then they went back and did the same play a couple of minutes later. Another try. Brisbane at that stage were clueless. They didn't know what they could do anymore. And yep. that's when Parramatta said, we've got them. It's, it's party time, guys. Just and they just they steamrolled. And like as you say, like uh, Moses and, and Dylan Brown were... Just, I mean, they were perfect today. They did exactly what you wanted. They were reading the defense. They were seeing what was on offer. That it was absolutely magnificent by the both of them. Um, and like, I can't remember the last time that we saw a team like use their wingers and their centers so much in a big game. Um, it's like that left hand, that left hand side of uh, Lane and. Um, Jennings and Sevo, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's been good for them all year, but it was 
friggin' unreal in this game. And Sivo is just, wow. He is just unbelievable. Just get him as much ball as possible. He's not only, I mean, I feel like I want to call him a wrecking ball, but it's not explaining that this guy, you can get him the ball. He can smash through the first guy and then flies up the field. And he's got really good game awareness. Like he doesn't just pin his ears back. He knows that he's got to look for support in certain situations and things like that. Um, and Jennings really, really works well with him. Like all of Jennings' experience, you see that coming out yeah. with Sevo. He really uses Sevo well. It's great. Oh, Jennings has been great for him out there because that's the thing. You look at Sevo, even today, there's still times that you go, this kid's still got to improve some yet. Yeah. Like he took that ball for the, I think, was it his first or second try? And he juggled the ball as he's going on the sideline. He was thinking <laughs> run and score before he thought of catching the ball first. Mm-hmm. It's just those little things where you just need to say, Micah, just just stop, get the ball first, then do your fancy shit. You can do it all. You've got plenty of time, mate. Look at you. Mm-hmm. And you just know he's still got improving left in him. It's crazy. He's still going to get better. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's tell you what, there was a there was a play in the, the that game with uh, Ferguson on the other wing, and he got the ball, and he was in a bit of a, a funny position that he could have really stuffed it up, but you could see that polish between him and Sevo in yeah. terms of like Ferguson knew what he needed to do to get to the trial line, you know, and he just made it look easy at the end of the day. And when Sevo gets there, man, it is going to be just a nightmare for opposition clubs. Yeah. Um, he's going to have a great off season. Mm. He's going to be one hard unit to stop next year because he's, he's just going to be faster and stronger and, and more skilled. His hands are going to be better. Um, and he's got just bootloads of confidence. Um, the other thing I wanted to say today too is, and they have got no credit because this is what happens when a team wins by 50. Mm-hmm. The forwards never get credit. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Paulo had 100 metres within the first, what was it, 20, 25 minutes of the game? It was ridiculous. He he murdered him through the middle. Yeah. And, and, like they're, and their forwards, as you say, they didn't stop. Like, they were blasting them later in the game, getting turnovers, like, carving them up right through the middle of their pack. Um, yeah. Just such an incredible, complete performance. Like, I'm watching it. We've both taken the piss out of Parramatta a lot this year. I've been very, very critical of Brad Arthur. We've been critical of Moses and Gutherson. Um, this is maybe the most complete performance that we've seen this year out of any club. Yes. And... Um... Yeah, I'm. I'm not afraid to give credit where it's due and say that you know they had they had stunning games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Moses' control was was phenomenal. Um, I mean, there wasn't much Gutherson had to do. Everyone else did all the work for him. He just had to sit back and yeah. just watch the show. I just wonder what Parramatta would be like if they had a fullback that just got the ball and run it back hard. That's the one thing, mm. and I wonder if it's worthwhile putting Ferguson at fullback. But then you've got to put Gutherson somewhere because yeah. they just love him so much. I've got to put him somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I'd just love to see what would happen if – don't even have to have him there the whole game. Just have mm-hmm. Ferguson drop back to be fullback for the kick return. That's it. Can you can just play in the wing for the rest of the game. Can you imagine if they had got Wittini Zelezniak and they played him at fullback? So you got him, like, in you get in – you just show him – video of when he was playing for New Zealand last year and say, we just want that. That's it. Don't, yeah. don't nothing special. 
just run it back hard. And you got him and their giant wingers, and oh my god, oh. they're they're getting very close now. The big concern mm-hmm. Parramatta has mm-hmm. is they do have a fairly youngish sort of side across the park. Yep, and they tend to get a bit confident after a big win. Yeah, there was a, it was. I understand it, right? And especially at that stadium where it's 30,000 Parramatta fans and it would have sounded maybe as loud as, I don't know, 80,000 ANZ. Like, that's what that place is like. So I get, I really do get it. Biggest finals win ever. But they were celebrating a bit too much for me, Andrew. I'm, I'm worried about that. Okay, look, there's a few examples. Okay, obviously this year when they... They spanked the Tigers 51-6 in that first game at Bankwest. The following week, they lost to a woeful performing Newcastle side, 28-14. Um, I think Newcastle only had one win at that stage, so that was their second of the year. They then beat St. George Illawarra after that, 32-18. And the Dragons had won 4-4, four and four, I think. Mm-hmm. They were still travelling okay. And so they beat them pretty well. The next week, they lost 64-10 to the Storm. Yeah, um, and, and who and are they playing the next? End, well, at the end of the year, well, that's true. And at the end, towards the end of the year, they they beat the Titans thirty six twelve, easy win. The following week, they then lost to the Bulldogs twelve six in what was one of the most dire performances they've had, and that's only going back a few weeks. Yeah. So my concern for them is they're coming up against the Melbourne side that's just lost at home to Canberra. Yeah, and. When when Melbourne has a loss at home, what did actually I think after their last loss to Canberra, they came out and smack spanked someone. Um, um they beat well, they had a scrappy game against the Titans, that's right, and then they then they were clockwork against Manly, beat them thirty six to six up at Lotto Land. Yeah. That thirty six to six performance that the Storm had against Manly, mm-hmm. I would be I would be fully expecting that to turn up against Parramatta this weekend. Yeah, and it's, ah, man, I don't know how you combat it, though. I don't know how, because I was watching them celebrate, and I'm like, and and they do have experienced players in their team, but there are also a lot of guys that aren't experienced, and... It's a young spine. Yeah, and and I was trying to think to, to myself, like, how do you approach it so that you don't deflate them, right, but you prepare them for going into the meat grinder and you go from being like the kings of the world to, you know, just, you know, you're just the the bums that are across the field from a really good team. Um, because that's what it's going to feel like to them when yeah. they go out there. And like, I just, it's a really, really difficult position for, I think any coach ever to be in. Um, and I, I don't know how you handle that. You know, I think, I, I think they need to be shown the tape from when they lost sixty four ten. But first thing that, tomorrow, does that deflate them though? Does that because no. you've got all these young kids that, or these young players, sorry, that they feel like they can take on the world. Do you, they, are yeah, you but, worried that you can bring them down and undermine their confidence yourself? Well, this is the thing though. They went into that game against Melbourne confident when they lost 64-10. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think they need to watch that game and go, this is what happens if we go into a game too confident. Yeah. Get your, get your feet back on the ground. 
right? So if they start feeling a bit down, go, right, we're now going to watch what we did last weekend. Uh-huh. See the difference. Now, don't get too cocky. Focus on this week. Last week matters zero now. So reset, start over. We're back at square one. I think I would also get, and I, I would normally not say this, but I think I would also get some of the old Parramatta heads in. Well, hang on. I, 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 well, <laughs> there, see, there's I'll, a problem here. They're very, very old. There, there's a story which came out last week. Okay. About um, Brett Kenny, how he went to some some players' function. Yeah. And Dylan Brown didn't know who he was. All right. Yeah. And Brett Kenny was saying that a lot of these players need to be taught, you know, about the past players and what they've done for the club. And what well, Dylan Brown wasn't disrespectful. No, he he's just he just went up to him and said, Sorry, mate, what was your name again? Yeah. And Brett Kenny wasn't having a whinge either. Yeah, he's just, he's saying, just like, saying that's what it yeah, is, yeah. He's just an observing sort of thing. Because you know, Brett Kenny's not a whinging sort of bloke. No, but, uh, no. That was that was kind of the thing though. When you mentioned, I went, "Oh, there was a story about how they don't even remember him." So much yeah. point bringing him up, they don't know who they are. <laughs> I mean, maybe they should pick and choose. Like, I just feel as though they need. And it's, the experienced players in the team will help that, but and I don't think the coach himself can really help them in that sense. But I would like to get some people into their ears that have been there, that have done that that are actual premiers and that can say to them, look, you know, there were times where we did, we thought we were, you know, king of the hill. And then we got taught lessons by teams and, and talk about the change in focus and how you change your focus, how you come off the back of big wins and refocus on a nil all contest that you're about to enter. Um, And that's what I would be looking to do because I did. I, I was a little bit worried about the celebration aspect that was going on, and I get it because they put on a, a a tremendous like it was a clinic, one of the greatest, the greatest finals performance ever, you know. And uh, I get it, but yeah, I was worrying a little bit about that anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there were three other games this weekend. Yeah, let's let's cover them too. <laughs> let's cover them too. So we'll we'll work backwards as we have been. Yep. So uh, what was it the night before? Manly beat Cronulla twenty eight sixteen in what was possibly the most disappointing performance Cronulla's had this year. Uncronulla like, wasn't it? It was like the fire and the toughness and the just that workman like edge just was not there at all and. It was weird watching the Seagulls because it was pretty early on that you were like, oh, man, this contest is over. It, yeah, it was really crazy. Manly stunned with those two early tries, mm. and Cronulla never got back into it. And I no. think Cronulla walked out on the field, and 25% of them, of their of their mindset, said, we've already won this. Yeah. And they only played at 75% for the rest of the game. They scored, they scored two late tries in the second half, as they've been doing all year. But by then, they'd, they'd let the score go too far. Um, it was too late to bring it back. And <clears throat> that was that was a woeful effort. Um, At the same time, though, that. the Seagulls, uh, I mean, T- Cherry Evans put on one of the best performances of any player this year. I would say it's his best season ever this year. I think so, too. 
I think so too. And, you know, it's not like his premiership year. It, it you know, he's not going to be premiers at the end of this year, I don't think. But I think from start to finish, he has really stood up. He's He's been the leader for this team. He's guided them around the park well. Uh, when things haven't been going their way, he's tried to drag them out of it. Um, and in this game, he was absolutely the best performance of his career, I believe. Look, it's right up there. And that's the thing is that um, he's been car- carrying this bits and pieces manly side around from, from the Barrett years mm-hmm. to now. And it hasn't hurt him in any way. He's just got stronger and better. Um, yeah. just and he's made his teammates human. better too, which is he the has. main thing. That's the big one. So let's think, if you took Cherry Evans out of that side... They are competing for the spoon. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just phenomenal how, how how much value he's he gives to that side. Um, sure, there are a lot of other players that are doing a lot of good work, but that Manly side is playing with a. I think this is their last year under the the cap penalty they had imposed on them. Mm-hmm. Um, could be wrong. It's either, either this year or it was last year, but it, um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's this year. I'm pretty sure we've talked yeah. about that. Earlier this year, so, ourselves had a, a bits and pieces side. They've had to scratch around for a play. I mean, they're looking at Tony Bloody Williams. That's how scratchy they are. Mm. So, wouldn't be surprised if they get their. I think they've got their full cap back next year, so they might start trying to find one or two, maybe a centre to chuck into the side. Um, yeah, like I'm trying to think, they'll probably need a or a prop. They'll probably want someone at hooker. I would guess. That's true, yeah. They're losing Coruscant. Um How how excited were you when McNugget scored? <laughs> like, I was like, McNuggets, yes! <laughs> oh, that's a great try, too, for McNuggets. It was. It was fantastic. I saw him running along, and I swear there was someone on the fence just waving a, waving a six-pack of McNuggets at him. He's going, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think they got the extra performance out of him by having like some McNuggets put on the outside. Was that oh, McDonald's man, uh, Monopoly what, thing? What they would have, what they would have done, is they would have just someone in the back of the in the back of the dressing shed would have just opened up one of the sweet and sweet and sour sauce sachets. Yeah. You go, on, oh, I can smell that. Where is it? And Des would have gone up to him and says, "Mate, there's a guy in the stand. He'll give you one if you score a try." He's like, <laughs> "Really? Really? Yeah, man." You go score a try. Off you go. <laughs> I I think that that's exactly how it happened. Des is a master. He really is. It's weird, man. Talk about a a change in your coaching career and change in fortune. I, when I was listening to the commentary for this game, and there was I can't remember who said it, but the commentary was infuriating through the whole game. But anyway, they were saying, um, oh, Des has always managed to get his players fired up and always managed to get the best out of the teams he's coached. And I'm thinking, tell that mm. to the bloody Bulldogs. Yeah. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, not always. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Sharks should be too disappointed with the season, given they had... Uh, I think this is either the first or the second week of the year where they had their full squad available. Yeah. And, and they, um, I mean, they brought in a lot of younger players this year. Uh, they'll guys. be they'll be really really good for the um for the run. Uh, like I was thinking that with Sherry, what a fantastic first season he has had. And um, and Britton Nakora, I mean that that kid mm. played 
played test footy this year. He's kind of gone under the radar since then, but he's had a stellar year. I mean, he's nailed down one of the back row spots. Um, But there also comes a situation where Andrew Fafida, um, okay, he is a great prop Mm -hmm. when he's thinking about playing good footy. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd, I'd like to see him either be able to play 60 minutes or go out there and think about nothing but running forward in a straight line. When when Cronulla gets behind on the scoreboard, he starts drifting sideways, and that is yeah. the worst time you need him going sideways. They need him going yeah. forward at those moments. And it's not. this is not about him taking a soft option. It's about him trying too hard to try and create something, which admittedly, he's that sort of a freakish player. He can create stuff. But not on every run. No. And the other thing is, this has probably been his worst season that I can remember where he's been playing and you kind of forget about him being on their field, um, where it's like he's just sort of, you know, he's he's doing the job, but he's not doing anything special. And he's a special player. Like, when he is at his best, it's like, it's unfair. Um, and there's yeah. just been too many games this year where he's just been a bit meh, you know? Yeah. Um, also, I think they need to find a way to get rid of Aaron Woods. Yes, um, 100%. They also need to find a way to get rid of Matt Moylan. Yep. Um, for two reasons, okay. And one is, obviously, I don't think either of them add that much to this side. And secondly, they've got some salary cap issues and getting rid of those two players would free up well over a million bucks in the cap. Mm-hmm. And that would surely fix things up for them salary cap-wise. Um, there's talk that Dugan might be on the way out. I think if Dugan is allowed to stay at fullback and is allowed to actually have the full season there, mm-hmm. he would be perfectly fine. His style suits what the, what the Sharks need, and that is a hard-running fullback. So uh, I and he's been playing as, good the last half of the year too. He has, but I I feel as though Dugan is the classic example of getting rid of somebody a year early rather than a year late. That's true, I guess. Um, but then again, this has probably been his best year at the Sharks. I think so too. I think so too. And he's played a lot of different positions as well. Yeah, and that's... Um, that's more credit to him because he's been at centre, he's been on the wing, he's been at mm. fullback. Um, he's a look, he's a better fullback than Moylan. Definitely, one hundred percent. I, you know what? If I if I was the Sharks, I'd be offering Moylan to the Broncos, and I wouldn't be shocked if they bit. It's not bad, actually. Yeah, because they're going to want to get somebody that they feel that has a bit of a star quality about them. And if they could, if it would let Milford go back into 5'8", um, and I, I could see where they would be like, oh, yeah, let's get Moylan in. And, I mean, I think it would be a terrible thing. I wouldn't do it personally if I was the Broncos, but I feel as though they might bite, especially after a loss like that. Seabol is now in job-saving mode, so he's going to be willing to make a splash. He's not going to be caring about the, the salary cap down the line. Mm. Um, yeah, that might that might be a nice fit there. 
Not that Absolutely. I would do it, but no. for them from their point of view. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're the two. They really need to think about moving on. Yeah. Um, only because it's not, not even dissing Aaron Woods. He's actually been pretty decent this back half of this season as well. But uh, he's, it's the fact that he's just too expensive. And if, soft if they, as fuck. If they had him for, for three or 400 grand a year, fair enough, you know. That's probably the going rate for a bench a bench forward these days anyway. Yeah. But he's on what, eight, nine hundred thousand? It's just he's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Um, so I'd be moving him on. Um so next game. Yeah. Canberra stole one from Melbourne again. Down there in Melbourne. Yeah, how crazy was this one? Like the storm looked as though it was weird. For me, it felt like this game was going to plan, right? There was uh, some misses by Crocker, some, like, posting about how he's a choker, and then the Storm get their try, and they just looked like they were going to do a typical Storm grind out the win. And then what happens? Bloody, who was it? Ado Kai runs the ball, loses it. They pass the fucking Raiders, pass it out wide, and score. And it's like, hang on a second, that wasn't supposed to happen. And they managed to get the lead. Um, and the stuff with the touch judge, I mean, that was ridiculous. I can't believe anyone was ever thinking <laughs> about that stuff. You know, It's like, oh, that, he cost us the game. It's like, dude, you, your team just threw the game away, literally threw the game away on their own trial line. It wasn't yeah. the touch that did that. And I've got to say, in, in full speed, when I, saw it, when I saw that kick go, the short kickoff right near the end, I was like, I think he touched the sideline. And that's what I thought. And now in, in the replay, he didn't. But at full speed, I thought he touched it. Yeah, I must admit, I was, I was, at, I was uh, at a pub watching with some friends, and I actually thought yeah. that because uh, the screw was a bit bigger, I, I instantly saw it, and I thought, I don't think he went to touch. Yeah. And I was watching was on an 82-inch screen. There you go. And I thought, he, I thought, oh, yeah, he touched that, and then they replayed it, and I was like, oh, I, I was... <laughs> there was a um, yeah, there was an awful lot of people complaining at the time about how it cost them the match. I just thought, no, um, so it is no no refereeing decision costs a team a game. You've got eighty minutes to, to win a game, but they not one refereeing decision. They literally threw the ball away. On their own, and like there wasn't like one or two tackles. It was like immediately they scored. They literally threw the game away, and so I couldn't believe anyone was even mentioning that that touch judge. Poor bloke. Hey, he makes a, makes one bad call well, in the whole look, game. It's like, oh man. I'll say one thing about him, okay? And yes, I've been defending refs and stuff like that all year, and I always will do. The one thing that got me about that that was curious is the touch judge was there. He looked at it. And then he hesitated. And then he put up his flag. So what was that about? <laughs> I understand that. Some, I feel as though... I'm not, I'm not some... saying there's anything dodgy going on. I'm just saying, no. like, you either know it's out or not. You put your flag up or you don't. And there was just hesitation there. And I thought, that's something right there. The player stopped where they could just say, look, Touchy's not sure. Can we just have a quick look at the bunker? Just bang. They could do one look at all. I took was one camera angle on there, and they could show it straight away. And I know people are going to sit there and say, "Oh, the bunker does too much; it's too involved." It would stop people saying, 
the referee cost us the game. They could have just gone and looked at it and said, oh, no, that's legit play on. I don't think it would have changed the result in any way whatsoever. But, you know, I think the opportunity was there where they could have used it to to, solve, to resolve that issue straight away. Well, uh, I wonder how you would do Like, because it would just be a play the ball. And, like, yeah. the game stopped. It's a it's kind of a weird position, uh, situation in terms of, like, it wasn't a double knock-on and, you like, you've got a stoppage in play. They did have the scrum. I, did they have the scrum? Yeah, it would have been scrum. Yeah, it was a scrum to Canberra. Yeah, and, and so... I don't know. I, I just find it's weird that if the referee blows them up as they're about to feed the scrum and says, hang on, we've got to go back here and just have a regular old play the ball. I don't know. For some reason, that feels weird to me. Well, that's, oh, well see, the thing I'm getting at is it wouldn't have taken long to confirm it. No. I, you know, the other thing is, too, like, I, I'm very big on you've got to overcome the everything you got to overcome the wind the grass the conditions the referee the touch you know and so to me that's just part of what you've got to overcome and yeah. um i think it's unfortunate it happened in that situation but i just i always just go back to man they threw the game away um one thing yeah. i want to ask you right mm-hmm. are you worried at all about crocker and his kicking um because he missed some sitters. He missed some absolute gifts. And if he had just kicked them to begin with, it would have been a tied match at the point when they got the ball thrown to them to win anyway. But it would have know. been a tight game. I don't know, though. I think he's he's always been a bit that way. Um, his kicking has been down this year. I think this has been his worst year for goal kicking. He's kicking at 73% this year. Mm-hmm. His previous worst was 2012, where he kicked at 74%. Mm-hmm. It seems that the more the more shots of goals he has in a season, the the more um, the more he misses us in the sense that the the worse his goal kicking percentage is. Yeah. The only time there was a a real buck in that trend was 2016 when he was just nailing from everywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. So that's the thing. They they can make a pretty quick decision on the field straight away if they think he's he's out of touch and just hand it over to Caesar because he's he's a near eighty percent goal kicker himself. Yeah, that's a pretty good luxury to have there. But I tell um, you what, that kicks Crocker right in the balls for confidence, hey? Probably, yeah. I like don't I don't think they take it off him though. Confidence. Yeah, I don't think they take it off him though. Um, tell you what, one that surprised me was actually um, going back to another game was how poorly Moses kicked today. Especially yeah, we, when there was no pressure on, he was still missing them, and he was missing them by a mile. Yeah, I think he missed five all up. Yeah, um, and, and man, imagine if he'd got them, the score line would have been nil. even worse. Yeah, he's um, seventy points. Depends how many he would have kicked from tries that were scored on the fifth, though. Wow, like, that's true. That's true. But but yeah, I, I was watching that game. The thing that I was kind of surprised about the storm. There's a couple of things. First of all. I don't like the change that Bellamy has made moving Broadcroft out of the team at halfback. I don't know why he made that decision, but I don't think it's been well, one that's been a good one. He made that decision because Hughes has been playing good all year and Pappenheisen has been so good bringing the ball back that he had to fit them all in somewhere. Um, See, I, I, but he's but yeah, I, 
It's a halfback, man. Yeah, I get what you mean, though. I probably would have put Hughes on the bench mm-hmm. and left Croft in the side just for balance in the spine. Um, but then you'd have to probably look at whether you keep Brendan Smith in the, in the 13 then. It's it's one of those tough decisions to make, I guess. So you could either run with Brendan Smith and have him as a back rower mm-hmm. and put a, put an, another, uh, you know, put Hughes on the bench as well, then have two props. That might work. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you've got to have Brandon Smith inside. He's too good, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I just don't like... And I get that Hughes has played well all year, and I felt like Hughes... Because Bellamy chucked him in in, I think it was the last round. It might have been the second last round. I can't remember. Um, but he threw him in, and I thought he was just giving him a run in the halves just to give him a look at it, just to give him that experience. And I, I actually like that, if that's what he was doing. But then when he played him in this game and, and with Croft out of the side, I mean, I, I actually rate Croft as a pretty damn good player um, and a very good halfback. And I just think that it hurts their attack. And I think Munster is less of a player without Croft there because they link up really well. And I don't think that Munster and Hughes are uh, link up all that well. Um, so that, to I me, think it's largely I think too because their Hughes attack. Is, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's largely because Hughes is kind of like just another version of Cameron Munster. It's like having two ball-playing sixes in the side. A little bit, yeah. And I, like, I just don't think Hughes is all that good as a half at all. Like, no. I don't think he gives you anything close to what he was as a fullback. And I understand, like, Pappenhausen played great. But, yeah, I, I just pick... I think you've got to pick one and leave Croft in there. And what it leaves now is an interesting situation where if he decides to bring Croft back, Croft hasn't played in that side for a few weeks now. And he's going into an elimination game. I mean, man, that's a difficult situation that that I feel as though Bellamy's made for himself. I'll have to have a closer look. I'll, I'll watch the replay during the week. I wonder if Cameron Smith was playing more first receiver than dummy half in that game um, because that might be the reason why Croft isn't there. They just thought, we'll just have Cameron at seven for mm-hmm. most of the attack. And that way we've got a six either side of him. It's like this old school thing that um, teams like South used to do in the 20s. Mm-hmm. We had one halfback and two five eights. Yeah, you have a, a five eight on either side of the field, and halfback just—it's like having three halves on the field. It was a pretty crafty thing, and South were quite successful with it. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if that's something that Bellamy's toying with, because I have seen it happen from time to time in the past mm-hmm. when he'd have Cronk in the halves and have just a, a random ball runner at six. I think mm-hmm. Kenny uh, Kenny Bromwich played. I think might have been. At six once or twice, or was it uh, Tohu? Sorry, Tohu Harris. Tohu, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Used to do that a lot. Tohu Harris at six, and just have Cronk pretty much controlling the game at seven, and and Cameron to play a bit at seven as well. There's really interesting dynamics, and it's something I don't think many people pick up on. I, mean, I know I I struggle to find it. It's only it's only on really extreme times you sit there and go. Geez, Cameron Smith's been getting the ball an awful lot at second receiver or first receiver. Yeah. And I think having Brandon Smith on the bench is kind of a reason why that happens because I think Brandon, Brandon doesn't come on and play lock. He does tend to come on and do a bit, a fair bit of dummy half work. Mm-hmm. So that might be what's going on there. 
I, I, that hasn't jumped out at me. But, uh, like, there were points in that game where I did feel as I was like, man, what's Cameron Smith doing getting the ball there? It was kind of weird. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that wouldn't shock me. And I guess if you do have Smith, you've got that luxury. If you've got Brandon Smith off the bench, you do have that luxury with Cameron Smith. Um, man, I, the it's only ballsy. Thing that, it is ballsy, and I, I, this is why. The Storm don't have many problems. <laughs> it's not like they're a team that need to find a trick play or a trick game plan to do well. Like, they no. can go out with their stock standard stuff and, you know, win a minor premiership running away. That's that's exactly right. Um... Oh, well, you know what? We've got to talk about um, Fireworks Gate. We do, yes. That so was... they... they, they are now setting off mortar shells before the game to take out players. As I uh, said in the tweet at the time, even the pyrotechnics guy at Amy Park is a grub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like we need a, a a word for this. Like you got the chicken wing, you got the crusher, you got the all in ones. I feel like there needs to be like, is this the, um, I don't know, pyro scandal or something like that. There needs to be something. Someone being shot in the eye. Yeah. Black Powder yeah. Gate. Yeah, this, this sounds like it could go blue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they got the they did get the debris out of his eye. They um, did. It was an interesting situation. I remember hearing the I think it might have been the commentator saying at the time that they thought it was a bit unfair that Canberra would lose a substitute when Lailua had to come back on the field. And I get where they're coming from. It's a freak accident. Yeah, it's completely out of Canberra's uh, control. I had nothing to do with that, mm-hmm. and everyone could see that that was what was going on. So I get where they're coming from, but at the same time, if he's if he's legit and able to come back onto the field, then I can see where the owner was coming from and just said, "No, no, he's just he's just been changed pre-match and everything's fine. He'll just be a bench player for this game," and I kind of accept that decision to be honest. And I feel as though the NRL was in a funny position in that yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm saying I'm right in this, in that it's not the clubs that control the game they experience in the finals. It's the NRL itself, and it was probably their pyrotechnics that, you know, shot fucking <laughs> buckshot into his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, and it's they're sitting there and because <laughs> you gotta think of like pretty quickly someone's like Oh shit! We might have blinded a player. Oh, does that count as an interchange? Just goes back on. Yeah, yeah, it does. Quick, it's just quick, bad luck, write a man. Rule, write a rule. Well, while you do it, get it. Get the legal team on the phone. <laughs> I wonder if they called. I wonder if someone somewhere just asked a lawyer a question. <laughs> it's serious, man. Like it's when where is fucking Luluai? BJ, Leilua, sorry, not Lulai, Leilua. As he's rubbing his eye, and, like, I guess at some point they're like, man, I hope his fucking eye's still there when he takes his hand away. There's somebody just calling up a lawyer and say, hey, just, you know, just be on call just for the next half hour. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. If you get that I, debris out, just uh, just roll it around in the dirt. Just make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. It's interesting because they were saying that there was actual particle or something in his eye, but it yeah. like a metal shrapnel or something like that. And it reminded me of when I was a, bit, a teenager and I got a 
piece, a fleck of metal. It wasn't a fleck of metal. It was a fleck of paint that had come off a rusty bit of metal that got stuck. In, it got went in my eye, but it got stuck on the upper eyelid, and it wouldn't. I couldn't get it out, and I had to fucking turn my upper eyelid inside out like a monster and scrape it off with my finger. Man, that hurt. My eye hurt for a couple of days after that. I can't even a... remember. I can't remember what the bit of metal was. Um, but yeah. So was it was it like one two kilos? Well, it was actually, when I pulled it out, it was actually like a whole Valiant. You know a Valiant? Oh, it was a yeah. A Valiant was stuck up in my eyeball. It was terrible. But uh, And then the next day, uh, my eye was red as I walked to school through three feet of snow for 12 miles. It was crazy. <laughs> and you should have seen the size of the fish I caught that day. Did you have to carry it all the way home? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't not yeah. even in boats and stuff. Yeah, plays these days soft, soft as fuck. <laughs> now, um, oh, we're on to the last game. I don't know why we left this one last. Yeah, this game was a shudder. Yeah, it was crap. Um, this game. You know what? Last week ruined it. Round twenty-five, we got an absolute bloody gorgeous, stunning. Unbelievable performance from these two sides in yep. a completely non-event. Yep. And the Roosters and South came out for this game, and the Roosters went, "Okay, let's do, let's go round two. And South went, "Meh." Yeah, South are like, "Oh, we're we're good, we're good, yeah. man." Yeah. And uh, Roosters just ran roughshod over them. It was it was a tough game to watch. It wasn't it really pretty. Was. It was a really bad game. Um, I was surprised by the crowd. It was a very big crowd. That was kind of shock. Um, but yeah, it was one of those games where um, South just didn't turn up. Like, yeah. and they were lucky to not have more points put on them. Quite honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, Latrell Mitchell, another poor goalkeeping performance actually this weekend in the finals. He missed four goals. Mm. So that could have been thirty-eight-six, and which they is probably like... a bit more telling. Yeah, and that like in the second half, it was one try apiece, mm. and it was just it was a real bludger of a, a game. I like I don't think that the Roosters the Roosters did the job. They they went out there, did the job, and that was it. But um, I don't think they would have been too happy with their performance. I think they would have wanted to have gone on with it a little bit. And South, I mean, after a big loss like that, they're going to get Sam Burgess back, but. Man, they just looked, they looked so bad. They're going to be up against Manly with a few players coming back as well, I think, so. Yeah, uh, Manly's going to, like, Manly is going to turn up. They're going to turn yeah. up to rock and roll. Yep. And South are going to have to turn up as well. Um, You know, like, they should really, they should smash Manly. They really should, but thought the same thing about the Sharks as yeah. well, too. So That's right. You never know in the finals, which is why it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, going to be an absolute cracker of, of a uh, set of games this week, which we, I suppose we could have a quick gander at. Yeah. Have a quick um, so we've got on uh, Friday night, Souths play Manly at ANZ. Yep. And on Saturday, Melbourne plays Parramatta at Amy Park. Mm. 
I, I feel as though that Storm-Eels game is way, way, way more important. I, I feel as though I might have written off the Rabbitohs this year, and I don't think Manly can win it, but I feel as though that Storm versus Eels game, I believe the winner of Storm versus Eels goes on to take on the Roosters the following week, whereas the winner of the Rabbitohs versus Seagulls takes on the Raiders down there in the nation's capital. Yeah, that's a tough run, that is. That is. That's going to be... I mean, that, that'll be sellout down there. Um, I would suggest the temperature, because it's the finals time, you know, it's starting to warm up, but it's going to be colder there than everywhere else. Yeah, it'll and, warm up. It'll be it'll be up to around about zero degrees there by kickoff. Yeah, and a balmy zero degrees for Canberra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the local the uh, locals are getting out in you know singlets and shorts and you know thongs and hats with corks on them that sort of shit. Yep. <laughs> and there's I mean the, the fuck the crowd is going to be massively green. There's not anybody not too many other opposition fans are going to get into that stadium. No. They'll blow that horn, um, and then they'll do the Viking clap, and then they'll. You know, we'll see what happens afterwards. You could go and hit Braddon, some of the food stands. Nice. Do you reckon Canberra's a chance of getting the grand final then? I really do, yeah. I really, really do. Um, Who do you reckon they're going to come up against then? I feel as though... I need to see the Storm this week. If the Storm bring Croft back in... And they put one on the eels. I feel as though the storm would beat the roosters, and we'd see Canberra versus versus uh, Melbourne in the grand final. Wow! How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking Canberra roosters. Yep. Okay. At this stage, I just think I think Melbourne gave close to their all during yep. this last week game of finals. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't enough to beat Canberra, and I think the Roosters gave about sixty-five, seventy percent of what they're capable of, and they still put thirty points on against South. Yep, I, I get that. Think, I think the the Raiders are playing at their peak, and I think the Roosters still have got a, a bit more to give. So I yeah, put those I, two in the grand final. I agree with all of that, and you'd think the Roosters would win going by that, yeah. I, yeah, I'd probably go with the Roosters in the grand final. Okay. If that was, if I'm if I'm picking right now, this will change next week when all the results come in. and I've got them all <laughs> fucking wrong again, like I did this week. <laughs> yeah, based on this form, I'd say Roosters play Canberra in the grand final. Um, Canberra might be two points ahead at half time. Roosters then put on three tries to win the second half to win it. Okay, I'll be that specific. And Crocker misses all the goals. Well, he he can miss four. And Canberra will lose by six. I tell you what, that was another <laughs> thing about that Storm game I didn't like. I felt like the Storm should have been cracking Crocker's side open like an egg. And it just, they weren't. They took and the I penalty feel, goal so often. Yeah. And I, I like, I feel as though that that was, that's a symptom of their halves being fucked around with. Because normally the Storm are the absolute best at running plays through their back line. And they just they don't have that same um, efficient sort of style of play when they've you know they've messed around with their backline. I don't know why Bellamy's done it. 
I really don't. I think he's mm. fucked it up. Don't know. I think he's, he's essentially trying to fit three players into two positions when he probably doesn't need to. He probably just put one on the bench. He so. needs to bite the bullet. He needs to just you say, look, you're a good player. You're a first grader. You're a great. Yeah, but, man, I'm sorry. We just have too many good players. Yeah. Will be interesting. Um, any else we need, anything else we need to discuss now? We've got all the footy out of the way. Um, no, I think that that was it. I, like, I, I guess the only other thing that jumped out at me from this finals, uh, week one was how bad some of the commentary was. Like there were, there were a lot of those comments, comments that it was like, they didn't like it when the referees got the decisions wrong and they didn't like it when the referees got the decisions right. And man, it turned into a whinge fest. Phil Gould was whinging his ass off in this game. Uh, in these games, it was terrible. Gus is harder to listen to when the games get more important. Yeah, and I tell you the other thing, Andrew Johns, man, he's fast the... becoming. He's fast becoming Gus Gould. Well, it's some of the stuff he's talking about. Like, and this is one of the great rugby league brains we've ever had, right? That's why he's there. Some of the stuff he's talking about is just goofy. Like, find the sky shit. I don't yeah. want to hear that. I want them to tell me some shit I don't know. That's their job. You know, I'm not there. If I wanted to have a laugh with some friends, man, I'd, I'd, I'd try and find some friends. I'd actually make some friends and laugh with them about whatever people that are friends laugh about. I mean, I'm guessing that it's like, I don't know, accidents and, you know, <laughs> People that have been attacked by wild animals—that's what I would laugh about. But you know, I just, maybe I just get, I just get Braith and Esther to come around. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? Can you, you just imagine just stand if up for me. Fox Sports should do a thing, have Grand Final Day with Braith and Asta, and he turns up it like fully dressed, kitted up like he does for his commentary, right? Yeah, and he walks around all night talking into a microphone that's not plugged in. Ha, ha, ha. That would be so fucking cool. But I don't know, you'd have to record it though, but just don't broadcast it because don't that broadcast would be awesome. it. No, no, yeah. that'd be that'd just be awesome to listen to later. And just can you imagine? You just get and he he's like he's fully professional with everything he does, right? Oh yeah. You you get absolutely shit faced, and he's not drinking a drop. And man, it would be the funniest, greatest grand final experience I could think of. Braith is brilliant. I, I I started the year thinking he was just irritating and annoying, mm-hmm. but I've come to realise that he was just trolling. He's a genuine comedian. He really um, is. He really is. Because the worst commentator by far is it's a toss up between Corey Parker and Justin Hodges. <laughs> I would say Justin Hodges. Um... Just pips Scott Prince on the all time list. Matt Nable. A lot of people didn't like Matt Nable. So that, that was his name, eh? Matt Nable. Matt Nable. Oh, the shouter. He just yeah. randomly shouted players' names. Who, who, the... What was the name? You won't have seen the movie because you don't watch movies. That's right. Trying to think of the name of the bounty hunter and Matt Nable played his dad. <laughs> the movie Riddick. Um, 
Well, I just want to. I just want to qualify. Got to look it qualify, up. I just want to qualify one thing here. I do watch movies, so long as they're Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Die Hard, and the original Die Hard. None of that other bullshit. That's correct. Yeah, just the first one. Uh, no, I've also <laughs> seen the the Telly movie, um, the first Kangaroos. The f- what? What is the first Kangaroos? You've not seen it? No. No, it was done in the late 80s, I believe. It was a two-part TV miniseries thing about yeah. the Australian Rugby League team that went over to England. And it was okay. it was um, a mixture of fact, hearsay, and comedy. Mm. And I remember the first time I was watching it going, oh, so that's how it happened. And then that was when I was... 12 or 13 years old mm-hmm. and then i learned about all the stuff that went on on that tour and around that period of time and watched yeah. it again and went this is bullshit it's there's so many things that are wrong <laughs> and then i watch it again later on going you know what put aside the facts of it okay this is bloody entertaining and yep. it's actually very very good entertaining. it's got the bloke from minder on it, i think it was minder Den- dennis know. waterman Nah, I got nothing. He he played the English star player. Oh, really? Um, there's a great scene where he goes to a pub. The, all the interactions he has, yeah, um, are, are all comedy genius. Like he's he's yeah. entire role in this whole movie is the comedy part. And yeah. I'm not saying that as as being flippant or anything like that. That's generally how it is. Yeah. So there's one scene there. He goes to a bar, and the barman says. Uh, he's playing. Uh, that's right. He's playing Albert Goldthorpe. He says, "I've got a letter for you here, Albert." And he's yeah. going, "Oh, I." He has a sip of his beer. He says, "It's from Australia." There's another sip. He goes, "Oh, no one from Australia, do you, Albert?" He's going, "No, none of my family are criminals." Oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe we should watch and this well, and podcast the it, it. It gets it gets better because then he takes a quick sip. Yeah. And then he looks at him, he says, well, can I have it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, here's your letter. It's so weird. Oh, it's brilliant. It is, it's really good comedy. Um, yeah, I'll, have to, uh, I'll put it on for you and we can watch it. It's, it's brilliant stuff. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, um, I found out, by the way, I found out Matt Nable played uh, Boss Johns in Riddick and he, was, uh, he wanted to get Riddick and find out what had happened to his son in the original Pitch Black movie. Oh, uh, so shout yeah, at him. Uh, there was a fair bit of shouting. He played it cool at first, and then, like, he sort of, uh, you know, he he, he come out and sort of touched, told everyone who he was, and it, it made it really clear. I'm actually having a look here um, at what roles he's played in. I'm trying to find um, anything that really jumps out, because that's the one I remember him in. He was in Gallipoli, apparently. He was in the, the final winter. I feel like I... Did I watch that? It's the one about the, the football player in his final year playing for Newtown, and Newtown's between being an old 1930s-type club and yeah. about to take on some corporate sponsors and how they're trying to move in that direction. And the club's no, struggling at the same time. I saw another uh, one. Um, I saw film. Footy Legends, I think it was. Oh, he's not in that one, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm looking through this list of stuff. There's nothing here that jumps 
jumps out at me. And fair enough, like he's an actor. There's nothing wrong with the, the stuff he's done, but that's the one I remember him as. And he was really good in that role too, actually. Um, he nailed it. He was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So he's got this thing where sometimes he can be a bit either either shouty or a bit mumbly. I wonder kind if of, we could get him on the podcast, talk to him kind, a bit about stuff. Kind of like me, I guess. <laughs> See, I, I don't think I mumble, but I do shout sometimes. Yeah, I, I do shout. Yeah. I think I mumble a fair bit. All right. But there you go. You get um, told off for mumbling. I get told off for everything. <laughs> what was it like? Okay, I got a question for you. Because when the Sharks got whipped, right, I was like, oh, man, how does Andrew deal with that? Uh, yeah, just say, you know, there's another football season next year. And when that yeah. doesn't work, just say, yeah, at least you made the finals. Yeah. <laughs> well, our approach is very, very different. <laughs> I basically, any any chick that I'm with, she tells me a football team, and that's just a point that I attack constantly, like nonstop. There's no mercy in it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm I'm quite the diplomat at home. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's probably why you're married, and I'm not. Hey, <laughs> that's probably true. It purely comes down to football. <laughs> The way you approach them. See, that's the thing, though. I, I made sure I pick a fan who I can tolerate. You know, they, they, they go for a team that I can tolerate, Ooh, I should say. I don't know that I could... I don't even think I could tolerate a Panthers fan, though. Which fan could you tolerate other than a Panthers fan? I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, <laughs> Salford? I'm tr- listen, I'm trying... You don't realise this. I'm stepping over minefields right now, okay? <laughs> Not saying stuff that I would I would love to be just open up and be like, well, guess what? But um, I'm just going to say that um, I'm probably better off without a rugby league fan. Just a chick that doesn't know what rugby league's about. So an AFL That'd fan? Well, yeah, but she'd have to give up AFL. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things that I've I've just wanted to blurt out, and I'm being really yeah. good at it. Yeah, I'm 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 showing you that path. I've I've cleaned it all up nice and neat. You really I've, are. I've got I've got some lights all over the path there. Yeah, the gates down the end. It's open. Yeah, go for the stroll, freaky. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> good work. Alrighty. Um, I fuck the AFL out of it, Andrew. That's what I do. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> I feel like I feel like like a release, you know. It's like oh, I got to get it out. Yeah. There we go. All righty. Um, now that we're both satisfied, <laughs> <laughs> was it good for you too? <laughs> oh, mate, <laughs> you know it. Oh, okay. Um. Right. Well, we'll wrap this one up. So, people, if you want to get in touch with us, over onto. Uh, Twitter at Andrew RP at League Freak at Fergo Freak Pod. Um, you'll find us there a lot of the time. Send us messages, send us questions, we'll answer them. Yeah, uh, we try our best to answer every question that's sent to us. Sometimes the we're getting so much messaging and stuff like that that 
we won't answer something here and there and it's not on purpose it's not because we forgot you sometimes i know i pick up my phone i'll see a really good question i'll be like oh i'll come back to that one and but then by the time i come back to my phone it's like 20 more tweets that i've got to go through and stuff and um so if i miss out on something you've sent me it's not on purpose i'm very sorry and i know andrew's the same way it's just we get through a lot yeah i i get a ton of questions about stats mm-hmm. and freaking just gets a lot of i don't know this had a combination between questions and um arguments well, not too many arguments lately. Although I was, I did start tweeting to a long-term follower of mine about how I was living in their roof uh, earlier today, and then uh, just random shit like that. So I, I tweet about all sorts of stuff. It's a bit tidy. I'm a weirdo. Um, you can also get in touch via email, podcast. What is it? Podcast, podcast at com. Yep, yep, that's the one, podcast at leaguefreak.com. Send us questions. Uh, if you want to sponsor the podcast, get in touch. We'll tell you all of our rates and, and what we offer for potential sponsors. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to get in touch with us. If you want a long um, reply from us, that's, that's really good. Or if you have an idea for the podcast, an idea for a subject, just get in touch through there and we'll see what we can do. Absolutely. Um, we're also on YouTube. Go over there, subscribe, like all the videos, give us a like, thumbs up and stuff. Um, yeah, give us a subscribe and a, a review, five star yeah. rating yeah. over there on your podcast host, whichever one it is you listen to. On your um, apps. Your apps. Spotify, um, Apple. Go on an Apple one and just give us five stars at the very least. That'd be great. And I just want to share my daughter's told me her first joke today. Oh, tell us it. Why did the biscuit go to the doctor? Why? He's feeling crummy. <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> good start. I don't know where she got it from, but that's a bloody good start, so I'm happy with yeah. that. Very, um, very good. And on that lighthearted note, we actually gave you some comedy at the end there. Um, yeah. Just remember, everybody, um, uh, do not overtake turning vehicle. That is fantastic advice. And on that note... We'll catch you all later.